This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Good day, folks. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold ladies and gentlemen we've got a lot to cover today folks so i am going to call it a quits for now on the synthetic wombs and the designer babies uh, but we are going to now look at that stuff through another lens and so maria albanese co-host uh on thomas Paine podcast on friday sent me over some information uh that we had looked at a couple of years ago put it back on my radar so i started doing some more research into those topics over the last few days and so we're going to get into what the military mad scientists the transhumanists that advise the military have been doing while we have been asleep and so i just had a conversation with an old colleague of mine uh we're talking about the possibility of writing a book uh on all the stuff that we're covering here obviously there's a lot more to cover before we can put a book together but we're looking at doing like a two-part book um one would be sort of a sci-fi novel um kind of a modern day 1984 you know brave new world type of book and then a non-fiction book which contains all of the research that i've done over the years combined with some research from some other investigative journalists and so the non-fiction book would back up the fiction book would back up the sci-fi book with all the stats now throughout history we have seen a lot of these type of books the uh, fiction versions uh, movies that spin off out of them movies like the matrix and such terminator and i believe a lot of those were put together for the purpose of predictive programming basically to normalize and to numb and desensitize people to those technologies as they come out a generation later so my generation would have grew up watching the terminator uh watching the matrix at the end of when i was in high school and then 20 years later the technologies start to roll out you go oh that's similar to the matrix but then they send out elon musk and peter thiel and the rest of them to say no 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 it's not like the matrix we're going to do it right we're going to govern it so we're talking about doing that folks and so i've got to start putting outlines together on everything that we've already discussed and it should be a fascinating project it's going to take quite a while 
Um, I'm a decent writer. I just don't like to sit in front of the computer and write all day. So that's why I think I'm going to partner with this old colleague who's going to handle the writing, uh, at least the first draft of this. But we got to start breaking it down into an outline for you. But anyway, we're going to jump over into the military side of transhumanism and we're going to show you what they have been up to over there folks because i think you you understand now um the biological side of the fourth industrial revolution you know as far as the synthetic wombs and as far as the designer babies and the gene editing goes it's frankenstein doctor stuff and it's pretty amazing how many people don't understand this at all uh i just had a conversation with one of our midwives today and so she was telling us how in the last year they've seen uh, almost 50% or more of women giving birth, uh, either in the hospital or home birth now, are bleeding so much that they have to give them the drugs to help stop the bleeding. And the midwives try to keep drugs and pharmaceuticals out of the picture as much as possible until it gets to the point where they can't do anything uh, without those drugs so she was telling us this and i had mentioned to you before our doula said the last seven home births she was involved with the women's water broke before they went into labor which was normally less than five percent of women and so i asked the midwife today uh the question on the the blood like well if it's 50 percent, what did it used to be before a year ago and she said like 20 percent so something strange is going on she said obviously there's no studies they can't correlate that to people who had gotten covid if you believe in covid or people who had gotten vaccinated and or boosted and so they couldn't put all those pieces together they're just starting to notice these strange occurrences and so who knows what's going on but you know my conspiratorial mind here okay i always like to think problem reaction solution and so i asked myself they're starting to put out studies now mainstream studies that women who've had covid uh end up having a increase of 60 percent in them having a premature baby and so i'm like wait a second if you're gonna have uh yeah and and also we've heard studies coming out of the pharmaceutical uh companies the vaccine companies themselves saying that uh the vaccine could be causing problems with the menstrual cycle and stuff so i say if they've messed with women's uh, reproductive systems in some way either through whatever covid was or through the vaccine and or booster could it be the beginning of creating the problem right which is now women are gonna not be able to get pregnant or women are not gonna want to give birth because of the risks and so they set up the problem and then the reaction will be help us help us what are we going to do and the solution will be in vitro you know this this new modern version of in vitro synthetic wombs uh and then hey why don't you, uh, while we're at it, you can pick the color of your baby's eyes. So you get into the designer baby's, you know, eugenics. And so that's kind of how I start to look at these things. So they're creating more problems to provoke more reactions, to offer more solutions. Um, so I just wanted to share that with you because that is just a personal uh, piece of intelligence I picked up today. But 
It was quite interesting because then I started telling the midwife about the last three shows we put together on synthetic wombs and everything. And like most people right away, she said, I've read a little bit about it. Uh, Isn't that about um, being able to save premature babies? And I said, well, (laughs) yes, in the first phase, but then they already start talking about how they can have the babies more efficiently, more effectively than women can. And so then they start the conversation of, well, maybe this is going to be the new way to have kids. And as we showed in one of those articles, if you choose to go the natural route, then you're a bad parent who's risking your kid. And so you will be looked down at, you will be shunned, you will be uh, removed from society for being such an evil parent who tried to go the natural route. And so then what will happen next? Uh, CPS, Child Protective Services, will come and take your fetus away. They'll come and take your baby away. Who knows? knows folks who knows all right i just want to show you something before we get into uh dr charles morgan and we'll get a little bit into his background before we get into the video that we are going to be reviewing today of which i watched and there's some really fascinating stuff in that and i was glad to see on the youtube video that had been viewed over 350,000 times since 2018, that there were a lot of people and seemingly intelligent people writing comments about how dangerous and disgusting the technologies that he's discussed are uh, for humanity. But let's take a look at this because someone sent it to me uh, on Twitter. Up on the screen, I have a tweet from the World Economic Forum, ladies and gentlemen. You know them. And it says trackless trams could be a catalyst for regenerating city suburbs, really. I didn't know we need to regenerate city suburbs. But anyway, they've got a video of basically this uh, subway bus type trolley that drives around on the streets and there's no uh, tracks but that's not the point and i'm not even going to show the video because obviously these type of technologies are being rolled out everywhere we already know that but check out this right so the world economic forum who in all of the discussions we watch especially with the mad scientists Uh, Klaus Schwab and others. Klaus Schwab loves to talk about the stakeholders. Okay, He wrote a book called Stakeholder Capitalism. He talks about the stakeholders in his 2016 book, The Force Industrial Revolution, and talks about stakeholders in several of his other books and his talks and his interviews. But they always talk about how everyone needs to be part of the discussion, right? Everyone needs to have a voice. We need to decide on the ethics of the merger of the biological, physical, and digital worlds. We need to have a discussion on the merger of man and machine. We need to have a discussion on all of the fourth industrial revolution technologies. I mean, we've showed that time and time again here, have we not? But I told you they have no interest in actually hearing what you have to say. Oh, no, no, no. They'll say that your congressman, your representative in this so-called constitutional republic speaks for you. Of course, those guys hand out government money to the technocrats and transhumanists, and the technocrats and transhumanists pad their campaign funds. So it works It works in sync, folks. It's, it's, it's one giant circle of greed, as I like to call it. One giant circle of anti-human greed. But underneath this tweet, which was put out yesterday, 
uh, September 21st at 7.13 a.m. Via Hootsuite, by the way, that manages your social media accounts. Underneath, I was going to leave a comment. It says, who can reply? People at WEF follows or mentioned can reply. So you can't even leave a reply underneath the video that they put out on the trackless trams. Okay, so now they've got the trackless the trackless trains that are going to bring you right up to the gates of Auschwitz, otherwise known as the metaverse. But you can't leave a reply. So apparently World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab do not want to hear from the stakeholders because as far as I'm concerned, if I have to drive on the street with this thing or I got to ride inside this trackless tram out to the suburbs, am I not a stakeholder? Do we not have a right to voice our opinion? Well, even here on Twitter, they will not let us voice our opinion, folks. Just wanted to share that with you, okay? Now, let me show you what I've got up on the screen. It's a uh, MWI video, Dr. Charles Morgan, and this is Dr. Charles Morgan III. We'll get into a little of his background in a second. Dr. Charles uh, Morgan on neurobiology and war, okay? And this was published June 2018. And so this is at mwi.usma.edu, okay? And so it says right here, recently, Dr. Charles Morgan spoke to cadets and faculty at West Point around a range of topics, including psychology, neurobiology, and the science of humans at war. So I hope you guys know West Point, right? I'm sure you do. We're not going to get into the history of West Point, but our wonderful young military folks there studying to be officers uh, are listening to Dr. Charles Morgan. And you'll see who this guy is. If you're watching the video later, you'll notice he never never has a frown on his face. Everything seems to be so exciting to him. It says, over the course of 20 years at Yale University and the Neurobiological Studies Unit of the National Center for Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, Dr. Morgan's neurobiological and forensic research has established him as an international expert in post-traumatic stress disorder, eyewitness memory, and human performance under conditions of high stress. Dr. Morgan is a subject matter expert in the selection and assessment of U.S. military special operations and special mission units. Okay. So he's a subject matter expert in the selection and assessment of U.S. military special operations and special mission units. Dr. Morgan's uh, work has provided insight into the psycho-neurobiology of resilience in elite soldiers and has contributed to the training mission of Army Special Programs. His work is on the cutting edge of battlefield innovations and assessments. And so then we have this uh, video that we're going to be reviewing today. But as you will see, I don't know, does Dr. Morgan just pick these guys out of a lineup and say, yeah, they're going to fit the requirements of the unit that we're hiring them for? Or does Dr. Morgan manipulate them? 
Is Dr. Morgan actually taking guys that he believes that he can manipulate, mind control, gene edit, and turn into super soldiers? I don't know. I'll let you decide after we get through the video. When we get back, let me tell you a little bit about the super soldier program that the military is involved with, and then we'll jump into this video of Dr. Charles Morgan III. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here on pain.tv slash gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, ladies and gentlemen. All right, folks, let's jump right into this because there is a lot to cover, a lot to cover. I know you want to hear me do voices and crack jokes and stuff, folks, but today we have to get down and dirty. This is going to be a serious conversation. First, we're going to pop over to the Atlantic.com, and I'm going to show you an article from September 2015. And the reason why I have to do this, folks, is we need to set up this uh, Charles Morgan and put this into context for you because I can't jump right into the video. I've got to show you a little background on this. And the reason why I chose this article <clears throat> from 2015 is I'm always trying to make a point to you that this stuff has been going on for quite a while. They're not just talking about stuff happening in the future, stuff happening right now today. This stuff has been going on for quite a while, folks. And it goes back way, way before this, but we're going to go into 2015. Eventually, we'll come back and show you some pieces from modern day. But this article is titled, Engineering Humans for War inside the Pentagon's efforts to create a super soldier and change the future of the battlefield. And this is by Annie Jacobson, again, September 2015. It says here, retired four-star General Paul F. Gorman recalls first learning about the, quote, weakling of the battlefield, end quote, from reading S.L.A. Marshall, the U.S. Army combat historian during World War II. After interviewing soldiers who participated in the Normandy beach landings, Marshall had learned that fatigue was responsible for an overwhelming number of casualties. Okay, so they have to set this up now. It's the weakling. It's the weakling and his fatigue that are responsible for the casualties, right? Not the people who got us into the war, not the people who strategized the wrong, uh, the wrong war game strategy, folks. No, not them. It's the weakling. Quote, I didn't know my strength was gone until I hit the beach, end quote, Sergeant Bruce Hensley told Marshall. Quote, I was carrying part of a machine gun. Normally I could run with it, but I found I couldn't even walk with it. So I crawled across the sand, dragging it with me. I felt ashamed of my own weakness, but looking around, I saw the others crawling and dragging the weights they normally carried, end quote. Another officer told of the effects of, quote, fear and fatigue, end quote. How dare these boys that we send into battle to die have fear and fatigue? 
Uh, here we go, folks. Quote, soldiers get tired and soldiers get fearful, end quote, Gorman told me last year. Quote, frequently soldiers just don't want to fight. Attention must always be paid to the soldier himself, end quote. So that's coming from Paul F. Gorman, this retired four-star general, who's talking about the weakling of the battlefield. It goes on to say, for decades after its inception in 1958, the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, you've come to know it as DARPA, folks, DARPA, will eventually do more DARPA stuff here. It says, DARPA, the Central Research and Development Organization of the Department of Defense, focused on developing vast weapon systems. Okay, this is going back to its inception in 1958, all right? Starting in 1990, and owing to individuals like Gorman, this retired four-star general, a new focus was put on soldiers, airmen, and sailors on transforming humans for war. The progress of those efforts, to the extent it can be assessed through public information, hints at war's future and raises questions about whether military technology can be stopped or should and let me just explain quickly um, for you guys when i pick out articles and videos to show you what i'm generally doing is i've read say 20 articles on a particular topic and then i choose the one that i feel best illustrates uh, the largest amount of information based on what I gathered, and then I try to fill in the blanks for you. And I try to make sure I'm not pulling articles that have, you know, opinion uh, plugged in without the author mentioning that it is their opinion. I don't want stuff that has conspiracy theory connected uh, information to it because there is no need to do that. I just talked to, uh, when I was talking to my former colleague about writing the book, I said, we don't need to put anything about uh, reptilians. We don't need to get into Illuminati. We don't even need to get into anything that we cannot prove. We don't have to get into symbols that end up... uh, you know, in the deaths of John McCain, we don't have to get into QAnon. We really don't have to get into the kind of stuff that we can't prove. Because as you can see here with this show, we can utilize the white papers, the speeches, the think tanks, the companies, the investors, the governments, and these articles that are mainstream. If anything, they're trying to make the technology look not as creepy as it is. But as you saw, when we're looking at the synthetic wombs and the people behind it, we're looking at the designer babies and the ceos of the companies talking about it we don't have to exaggerate it's right there they give us everything we need our enemies are broadcasting their plans either because one they don't think they're creepy and they actually believe that this is for the good of humanity or the good of the future of the earth or they're spitting in our face so we can take the words right from elon musk's mouth right from these articles right from these quotes by this retired four-star general we don't have to go and dig into deep conspiracies there is no conspiracy these guys are not planning our future prison planet in the metaverse in hiding we watched four technocrats get up on a stage at the world economic forum and talk about the metaverse right there in front of us they told us what they're doing so there's no reason to exaggerate or have to find a a boogeyman behind a curtain other than peter thiel funded by the cia i mean what more of a boogeyman do we need 
Seriously, I mean, they're, they're right out in the open. Okay, let's continue. I just wanted to tell you why I, I chose this article. Gorman sketched out an early version of the thinking in a paper he wrote for DARPA after his retirement from the Army in 1985, in which he described an, quote, integrated, powered exoskeleton, end quote, that could transform the weakling of the battlefield into a veritable super soldier. All right, did you get that? So he sketched out an early version of thinking in a paper he wrote for DARPA after he retired in 85, and he described this integrated powered exoskeleton that could transform the weakling of the battlefield into a super soldier. The, quote, super troop, end quote, exoskeleton he proposed offered protection against chemical, biological, electromagnetic, and ballistic threats, including direct fire from a 50 caliber bullet. It, quote, incorporated audio, visual, and haptic touch uh, sensors, end quote, Gorman explained, including thermal imaging for the eyes, sound suppression for the ears, and fiber optics from the head to the fingertips. Its interior would be climate-controlled, and each soldier would have his own physiological specifications embedded on a chip with his dog tags. Quote, when a soldier donned his super troop uh, battle dress, end quote, Gorman wrote, quote, he would insert one dog tag into a slot under the chest armor, thereby loading his personal program into the battle suit's computer, end quote, giving the 21st century soldier an extraordinary ability to hear, see, move, shoot, and communicate. So what this guy Gorman wrote about for DARPA after his retirement in 1985 was building an Iron Man suit, was building a Terminator-type robot suit for his soldiers to wear on the battlefield so they could take even the tiniest of weaklings, this wimpy guy who's afraid, who has fear and has fatigue, and they could strap him up inside of a super soldier suit and send him out on the battlefield to be killed. Yeah, that's fantastic, because you want a weakling who suffers from fear and fatigue to be running around in a killer Terminator robot suit. But see, the Iron Man, the modern Iron Man, the Tony Stark Iron Man came out all after this. So when these guys create these movies in the Marvel franchise and these sci-fi movies, uh, do they have access to this type of intelligence from a guy like Gorman and they're making the movie around technology that already exists what was uh the other iron man suit that don Cheadle was in the iron patriot you know so do they already know about this type of stuff when they make the movies it goes on to say at the time gorman wrote the computing technology needed for such a device did not yet exist now think about this too folks when we talk about ray kurzweil beaming his mind up into the cloud and then beaming it back down into a biological or non-biological suit and so the biological suit which would be uh, basically another human a baby with a blank brain that gets encoded with his brain his memories his thoughts his knowledge now we already showed you that these guys are going to build babies grow babies inside synthetic wombs without a mom or a dad well maybe that body 
that baby's body becomes the new biological suit for Ray Kurzweil. Or now, when he was talking about these non-biological robot suits, or eventually suits that form from nanobots, you look at a system like this, this uh, exoskeleton for the super soldier, could they actually be utilized by folks like Ray Kurzweil who are part of the technocracy? Okay, it goes on to say, by 2001, however, DARPA had unveiled two exoskeleton programs. And by 2013, in partnership with U.S. Special Operations Command, DARPA had started work on a super soldier suit called Talos, Tactical Assault Light Operator Suit unlike anything in the history of warfare. Engineered with full-body ballistics protection, integrated heating and cooling systems, embedded sensors, antennas, and computers, 3D audio to indicate where a fellow warfighter is by the sound of his voice, optics for vision in various light conditions, life-saving oxygen, and hemorrhage controls, and more. Talos is strikingly close to the futuristic exoskeleton that Gorman first envisioned for DARPA 25 years ago and aims to be, quote, fully functional, end quote, by 2018. Quote, I am here to announce uh, that we are building Iron Man, end quote, President Barack Obama said of the suit during a manufacturing invention. uh, During a manufacturing innovation event in 2014, When the president said, quote, this has been a secret project we've been working on for a long time, end quote, he wasn't kidding. So, ladies and gentlemen, as you can see here, DARPA, the military, has been working on building an Iron Man suit. But as you can see, when Obama announced it in 2014, at this manufacturing innovation event he says we're building an iron man suit but we know that it was at least conceived going back 25 years ago and so they talk about it being fully functional in 2018 when obama announces it in 2014 so 2018 back to 2014 but we know that gorman was writing about this over 25 years ago but somehow it ends up in the movie iron man and we've seen renditions of this type of suit in many other hollywood films folks let that sink in when we come back we're going to finish up this article and jump into dr charles morgan the third ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold the nothing the nothing i'm not the junior the senior the third the second or whatever i am just dustin gold right here on the dustin gold standard and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This 
It's the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. How are you feeling so far? How are you feeling so far knowing that the military has been building an Iron Man suit? But, folks, it gets freakier than that, okay? They're not going to just strap a robotic exoskeleton to your child and throw him out into the war fields, folks. No, 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 no. No, no, no. It gets much more complex than that. Let's continue. It was the collapse of the Soviet Union that accelerated many of DARPA's most radical super soldier science programs. And folks, before that actually happened, after World War II, right when it ended, we, the United States, was supposedly afraid that the Soviets were going to start bringing Nazi scientists back to their country to develop technologies for them to use against us in the coming Cold War. And so we beat them to the punch because we are the good guys. We are ethical. We have the moral high ground. And we imported 1,500 Nazi scientists into the United States and put them in charge of NASA, programs at the CIA, DARPA, all kinds of stuff, folks. Or I would say the uh, iteration to DARPA. But yeah, we put them in charge of all types of programs, government agencies. And that's because we're the good guys in all of this, folks. We are the good guys. Yes, Team America. It's disgusting when you start unraveling the true history of your country and you realize how much you've been lied to and the fact that we've been cheering on some pretty sick and disgusting stuff, and really cheering on our own demise through the engineering of humans out of existence. But uh, that's for another show, folks. Let's continue. It was the collapse of the Soviet Union that accelerated many of DARPA's most radical super soldier science programs. The revelation that the Soviets had developed an extensive biological weapons program caused DARPA to bring biologists into its ranks. And with the life sciences at the fore, DARPA began to look inside the human body towards a scientific capability that could transform soldiers from the inside out. Does that not sound pretty dystopian to you but it's all because the soviets were developing extensive biological weapons programs we couldn't stop that no 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 so now darpa had to bring in biologists into its ranks and with the life sciences you know darpa began to look inside the human body towards a scientific capability that could transform soldiers from the inside out. There's a big quote here in the article. Soldiers having no physical, physiological, or cognitive limitation will be key to survival and operational dominance in the future, end quote. Let's continue with this article. In 1999, DARPA created the Defense Sciences Offices. Uh, office, the DSO, and made Michael Goldblatt its director. I, you know, the last couple of days I've been noticing all these names in the biosciences, Goldblatt, Greenberg, I don't know, kind of weird. Goldblatt was a biologist and venture capitalist from the Midwest who, during the food-related 
national health scare that followed three children's deaths from eating E. coli contaminated burgers at jack-in-the-box restaurants became hyper-aware of pathogens. I'm not going to get into this sidebar here, but there's a lot behind that old E. coli jack-in-the-box restaurant stuff. And uh, good friend of mine, good friend of mine, Tim Waters, he used to play Bill Clinton on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno over 200 times, folks. He was actually the best man at my uh, wedding that ended in divorce. And so uh, Tim used to do a lot of shows for a guy named Red Hudson of Hudson Foods, who was a competitor to Tyson Foods. And so this jack-in-the-box scare involved Bill Clinton coming out and doing a recall on all these burgers, and it ended up pushing Hudson Foods into a situation where they eventually had to cave and sell out um, to Tyson and stuff. I'll have Tim come on and explain the whole story, but it's quite interesting. So now this guy Goldblatt, he grows out of uh, Goldblatt. He grows out of this jack-in-the-box E. coli contaminated hamburger scandal. Quote, a guy I was working with, Alvin Chow, and I came up with a technology for self-sterilizing packages that sterilize products in the field, end quote. He told me in a 2014 interview, not me, the author. Thinking the technology could be useful to the government, he called Larry Flynn, the director of DARPA. Oh, yeah, yeah, you just give him a ring. <laughs> Quote, I told Larry how the self-sterilizing packages could be used in field hospitals or on the battlefield. Larry was blown away. He said, quote, we want you to come to DARPA. And so he did. This guy, uh, Goldblatt, went to DARPA to pitch his self-sterilizing packages. The turn of the century, quote, was a radical time to be at DARPA, end quote, Goldblatt said. He believed that defense sciences could demonstrate that, quote, the next frontier was inside of our own selves, end quote. And he became a pioneer in military-based transhumanism. The notion, you see, folks, I told you, you just hang with me, and in the end, it will all make sense to you, Okay. So, Goldblatt became a pioneer in the military-based transhumanism. The notion that man can alter the human condition fundamentally by augmenting the body with machines and other means. And as we know, really, this concept of transhumanism is the merger of man and machine. We know it plays into Ray Kurzweil, the chief engineer at Google's idea of singularity when artificial intelligence becomes smarter than humans and humans are forced to merge with it, as Elon Musk is out there promoting daily, as Peter Thiel has been investing in all of the time on behalf of the government, I believe. But uh, it says right here, at the time... The threat from biological warfare was, in his words, quote, growing far faster than the solutions were coming in. Okay, so the threat from biological warfare. So now they're developing all this biological warfare, or so we're supposed to believe there's biological warfare, create the problem, provoke 
the response what's the response as he says right here growing far faster than the solutions were coming in and he goes on to say president clinton gave lots of money to the countermeasures program for unconventional pathogens end quote and so now there you go there's a solution we need money for these countermeasures which are going to be to genetically modify humans so we create the problem of biological weapons provoke the reaction people are afraid of it and now we offer the solution transhumanism you see how it works very very simple to dissect these guys plans just always look for the problem reaction solution when you're dissecting stories that interest you so it goes on to say here uh president clinton gave lots of money to the countermeasures program for unconventional pathogens end quote with the result that darpa had plenty of funding for biology programs goldblatt saw the creation of the super soldier as imperative to 21st century warfare okay so this guy goldblatt comes into darpa with an idea for these self-cleaning bags, self-sterilizing bags that he developed for meat. (laughs) And the next thing you know, he's looking at the creation of the super soldier program as imperative to the 21st century warfare. I've got a lot of really cool ideas. Can I get a job at DARPA? Dustin Gold ran a podcast called the Dustin Gold Standard. One day, he was working with his microphone and realized if he moved his mouth an inch away, the sound came out better on the final recording. He pitched the idea to DARPA, and the next thing you know, he was developing double-up nuclear bombs that could be dropped right on top of each other and kill more people. (laughs) (laughs) i mean come on folks all right this goes on to say goldblatt ran the dso until 2004 and just to go back the dso as we mentioned is the defense sciences office within darpa okay so he ran the dso until 2004 and when he spoke to the author last year he could only describe unclassified programs more than 10 years after his departure the status of the quote super soldier end quote pursuits he helped launch is murky darpa's highest risk highest payoff programs remain secret until they are unveiled on the battlefield or until they are turned over to elon musk bill gates peter thiel to launch as a public company right i mean we see that happen you don't think that elon musk just pulled Neuralink out of his butt do you no 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 folks and you'll see that in the video with dr charles morgan there's some videos he shows with brain interface technology going on a decade before elon musk came out with the Neuralink. it goes on to stay still given the progress of the exoskeleton these or similar programs could be closer to reality than anyone realizes and then uh, there's a big you know thought up on the screen here one idea was to find a way to get a wounded soldier to go into a kind of suspended animation until help arrived bears hibernate why can't man question mark so the article goes on to say quote soldiers having no physical physiological or cognitive limitation will be key to survival and operational dominance in the future end quote as that's like the quote we saw before goldblatt told his program managers a few weeks after his arrival one program in the dso called 
persistence in combat addressed three areas that slowed soldiers down on the battlefield pain wounds and excessive bleeding and so as you can see folks we're starting now to move from just the exoskeleton iron man suit into what is going to be this biotechnology the hacking of humanity the transhumanist element of all of this in which you should be proud because your government using your tax dollars and my government using my tax dollars have been hard at work protecting us from the soviets by building robotic ai exoskeleton iron man suits to strap on top of soldiers that they're going to genetically modify to not feel pain that'll show those little weaklings will it not ladies and gentlemen we'll be right back i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold, the super soldier, right here on pain.tv slash gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're sitting at home with your exoskeleton on. Let's get right back into this, folks. There's a lot to cover, a lot to cover. I'm trying to actually go through this stuff a little bit slower for you because I know it's so complex, it's hard to take in. I mean, I'm doing daily shows, uh, two hours a piece. Sometimes I put out more than that. And so we're covering a lot of information every week. I mean, just think about it. We've jumped from Internet of Things, Internet of Bodies, Internet of Senses, Smart Cities, Metaverse, Synthetic Wombs, Designer Babies, Genetic Modification, CRISPR-Cas9, and now we're on to Super Soldier Exoskeletons and uh, Crazy Genetic Modification. I mean, that's a lot to cover in a week. I don't even know how you guys stomach it, to be honest. It makes me sick, ladies and gentlemen, having to talk about this. Now, I was trying to explain the synthetic wombs to my wife uh, last night, and she's like, I can't listen to this stuff. Oh, my God. I'm like, oh, I thought you said you wanted to know what I talk about on the show. And so she said, no, I do, I do, but this is so crazy. I can't believe that there's these monsters out there. Well, they're all around us, folks, and it's our job here at the Dust and Gold Standard to analyze and dissect what they're doing, and it's your job to try to absorb this information, research further, and spread the good word amongst family and friends who want to listen, who want to understand more about what's happening. I just like to get it out there because i have so many friends of mine i mean this is one reason that gets so hung up with oh the lbgtq this and the transgender that and this happened here and this over there and this is that and this and i'm like if you knew the real plan if you understood the blueprints if you analyze the architecture if you connected the dots you would know that it's all planned and you wouldn't have to freak out over the little things anymore because you would actually understand what's going on 
and then be able to build a plan into your life of how you're going to explain this to your kids and grandkids to keep them away from it as much as humanly possible. All right, let's continue. Goldblatt hired a biotechnology firm to develop a pain vaccine. If a soldier got shot, Goldblatt explained the vaccine would, quote, reduce the pain triggered by inflammation and swelling, end quote. The desired result being, quote, 10 to 30 seconds of agony, then no pain for 30 days, end quote. Okay, so I've been learning a lot about vaccines, too, which I'm not going to do on this show because I really don't want to be thrown off the platforms. Talking about transhumanism and Peter Thiel is dangerous enough. But I've been learning about all these vaccines that they give our kids right when they come out of the mom that we don't even need. If the hospitals just did some testing, they would say, okay, we don't need this one, we don't need that one. And so we've been learning all about that from the various sources that we uh, talk to in the world of true natural life healthcare. All right. It goes on to say such a vaccine would allow the warfighter to keep fighting so long as bleeding could be stopped to develop new ways to try to stop bleeding. Goldblatt initiated another program that involved injecting millions of microscopic magnets into a person, which could later be brought together into a single area to stop bleeding with the wave of a wand. All right. Let's just stop there. Let's stop there, folks. All right. Remember at the beginning of COVID Land High School Theater production vaccine rollout, there was a lot of videos spreading around of people that were showing them sticking magnets to their uh, skin and they were hanging there or they were putting like a, a spoon on their arm and it looked like their arm was magnetic. Now, I, I could not verify any of that stuff. I really didn't pay attention to much of it because I, if I can't prove it or if these guys don't admit to it, then I'd rather not talk about it. But look at this. You know, if you even talk about injecting magnets into people, you're called a conspiracy theorist. Yet we're going all the way back to early 2000s with this gentleman Goldblatt running a uh, uh, an arm of DARPA was having a uh, injection developed to put microscopic magnetic uh, ma- magnets into a person. Okay, they're developing a vaccine. Uh, to stop pain for 30 days so a guy can keep fighting as long as they can stop the bleeding. So now that's not enough. Now they have to stop the bleeding. So they start working on technology to inject magnets into a person and then use a magnet to draw them around the wound and close the wound. I mean, come on. If you told people this, you would be called a conspiracy theorist, yet the government is actually paying lots of money to have this stuff developed almost 20 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. Doesn't have the exact date here. Another idea was to find a way to get a wounded soldier to go into kind of a hibernation or suspended animation until help arrived. Achieving this goal would give a soldier... Uh, precious hours or even days to survive blood loss and avoid going into shock while awaiting evacuation or triage. Bears hibernate. Why can't man? Could a chemical compound produce such a state? I, I mean, folks, so they're working on a pain vaccine to stop pain for 30 days, a magnetic shot to help seal up the wound and then another shot that allows the soldier to hibernate if he's injured. 
Yeah, I want to join the military. Who wants to join the military? If you don't join the military, you're not patriotic. Yeah, folks, I hate to be the one to say this, and don't sit here and call me a lefty or a liberal, but at the end of the day, are you really serving and protecting the Constitution of the United States from enemies, both foreign and domestic? Because when I read about what the politicians are doing, what the CEOs are doing, what the PR men, the investors, our governments, and all of these government mad scientists are doing, would they not be considered to be the domestic enemies? And so if your child is joining the military and they're not helping to weed out the domestic enemies, then they are 50% not doing what they pledged allegiance to do, right? When they took their oath to defend the Constitution from enemies, both foreign and domestic. Well, when did the Constitution give the right to these guys to develop all this? I don't know. I really don't. And so... Now they want to strap you up in an exoskeleton suit and genetically modify you with all these vaccines and put magnets in your body so you can go out on a battlefield and defend the old red, white, and blue. Come on. Come on. Seriously. Even George Washington probably would say, what? What? What is this? All right, let's continue. Sleep also was a focus of intense research at DSO. In the continually assisted performance program, scientists worked on ways to create a 24-7 soldier, one who required little or no sleep for up to seven days. If this could be achieved, an enemy's need for sleep would put him at an extreme disadvantage. So by modifying humans by turning these humans into cyborg frankenstein monsters we are not the enemy we are the good guys we're just developing frankenstein cyborg monsters and transhumanist super soldiers because we're the good guys now we're not doing what the nazis did we're not doing exactly what we claim the nazis were doing eugenics and trying to build a supreme race no we're doing this to protect this great country that's doing exactly what we claim we're trying to stop others from doing. Does that make sense to you? Because if it doesn't, that's the point, folks. They're gaslighting us. They're trying to make you feel crazy. I mean, how can you just glance over this stuff and say, yeah, that's okay because we're doing it? Goldblatt's program managers hired marine biologists studying certain sea animals to look for clues. Whales and dolphins don't sleep. As mammals, they would drown if they did. Unlike humans, they are somehow able to control the lobes of their left and right brains so that while one lobe sleeps, the opposite lobe stays awake, allowing the animal to swim. So they bred the dolphin with a human and created a mermaid. (laughs) Trust me, they've probably done that. Oh, you have to laugh at this sometimes, folks, seriously, because it's very dark. It's very dark content, and sometimes you just you have to laugh at it. I mean, you have to laugh to lighten the mood. I've had a lot of you write me and thank me for presenting this in layman's terms and for adding some entertainment and some humor to these subjects because it allows them to get through them. This stuff that they normally could not take in, they're able to do it through this show. So I'm very happy that... Uh, my method for presenting this content and telling these stories 
uh, is working for some people. That's my goal, to try to make this stuff palatable so that you can eventually share it with your kids and grandkids and others. Maybe one day we'll do a storybook. All right, it says right here, while some DARPA scientists uh, ruminated over the question of how humans might one day control the lobes of their own brains, other scientists experimented with drugs like uh, modafinil, modafinil, a powerful medication used to counter sleep apnea and narcolepsy to keep warfighters awake. So now they've got the mad scientists out there trying to figure out how to copy a water sea creature mammal ability to switch from the right to the left brain lobes. And now they're talking about using drugs to counter narcolepsy. I mean, they're trying to pump your children through full of drugs, basically make them not human, turn them into a Terminator to send them out into the field so they can get shot up. But then when they're bleeding, magnets will close their wounds and then they can hibernate until someone maybe comes to rescue them. Does this make sense to you? I mean, it makes sense, but is it not crazy? goes on to say other programs explored other questions what if soldiers could have 10 times the muscle endurance of enemy soldiers you you straight up super race what if they could leap seven feet or do 300 pull-ups a day under the dso banner in a program called the brain machine interface DARPA scientists studied how brain implants could enhance cognitive ability. Now, you see, go back to this all happened before this guy Goldblatt left in 2004. They were already working on the brain-machine interface, which is what Neuralink is, and talking about brain implants enhancing cognitive ability. And as I've told you many times, they're not doing the Neuralink brain chip for the purpose of curing your grandmother of paralysis or of dementia. They always say, even in the NASA paper written by Dennis Bushnell, NASA's chief scientist for the last 40 years, that that's the first step. Those are the guinea pigs. And then they're going to use it to augment the human brain. And as you can see, it comes out of DARPA. And this is why I told you we would eventually get to this content because DARPA develops the technology and then they use the PR men, the pitch men, the Billy Mays to go out there, Elon Musk and others to normalize this stuff and to push forward with adoption of it in the general public. And when they're developing this stuff behind the scenes, and I hate to say this, if you served in the military, I do thank you for your service. I don't think you knew any of this was going on when you joined. You probably just thought you were serving your country and i appreciate that but this stuff goes on and just like the people with paralysis just like the premature babies just like the people with dementia these technologies are also being tested on you the people in the military you are guinea pigs for what these guys are rolling out into the general public and i believe in the end the ones who survive are going to be wearing some sort of a an exoskeleton suit that turns you into a slave of the state while they will upload their minds and then beam them down into some kind of a, a new baby that will then have an exoskeleton suit and a brain interface and so they literally want to turn themselves into cyborgs folks Yes, it's just like 
the Matrix. It's just like the Terminator. So, ladies and gentlemen, I will say, I know it's cliche, but I need to run to a break. But don't worry, because I'll be back. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, it is me, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I am a super soldier. Oh, yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is me, Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, let's uh, let's jump right back in here. Still a lot to cover, folks. Is this not interesting or what, though? I mean, seriously, every single time I roll out a new topic, you guys are always tweeting at me, emailing me at gold at pain.tv saying, oh, my God, when does this ever end? Every time I think there's a chance... There's something new around the corner, folks. Listen, I'm going to go hundreds upon hundreds of episodes deep into this stuff. It does not end. It's all around us. It's alive and well. They're building it. No one is stopping them. It's, it's a hard pill to swallow, folks. This is the gold pill. I mean, you have to truly want to know and understand what is going on and what our future looks like so that you can best avoid it. And that's all we're doing here. Um, all right, let's continue. So we just talked about um, under the DSO banner in a program called the Brain Machine Interface, DARPA scientists studied how brain implants could enhance cognitive ability. And so it says the program's first goal was to create, quote, a wireless brain modem for a freely moving rat, end quote. DARPA's Eric Eisen, Eisenstadt stated at a technology conference in 2002 be interesting to know if he had a relative that was came out of operation paperclip attic eisenstadt and so it says right here that their goal was to create quote a wireless brain modem and so what is the wireless brain modem folks is Neuralink, a bluetooth enabled chip that they put inside of your brain right and this is back in 2002. They didn't roll out Neuralink until 2016, 14 years later. It goes on to say the scientists would implant a chip in the rat's brain to see if they could remotely control the animal's movements. And as you see what Musk has done as they roll it out uh, and push it forward into the adoption campaign, the normalization uh, and, and humanization of the technology they put it in a pig because he can laugh and tell a three little pigs joke uh they put it into the monkey because it's always cute to see a monkey sucking on a banana milkshake through a straw which we covered here and so uh and so as you can see in 20 uh 2002 they're talking about it and then in 2016 musk uh, rolls it out publicly to the new generation to our kids because he is the real life tony stark folks It goes on to say, quote, the objective of this effort, end quote, Eisenstadt explained, quote, is to use remote 
teleoperation via direct interconnections with the brain, end quote. The bigger objective was to allow future, quote, soldiers to communicate by thought alone. I'll finish up this quote, and then uh, I'll explain that in a second. By thought alone, imagine a time when the human brain has its own wireless modem, so that instead of acting on thoughts, warfighters have thoughts that act, end quote. Eisenstadt suggested. Okay, and we're going to get into this in the Charles Morgan video. This is why I wanted to go over this first, so we could talk more about it before we get into the video. But... It says the bigger objective was to allow future soldiers to communicate by thought alone. Well, you've heard Elon Musk tell Joe Rogan, the propagandist whose job it is to normalize this stuff, that eventually you'll be able to pass data packets back and forth from mind to mind without ever speaking. In the interim, you'll be able to basically upload a program into your mind that allows you to learn new languages just like in the movie the matrix that's how elon musk put it but you'll eventually be able to pass data packets with your mind and so this guy eisenstadt says imagine a time when the human brain has its own wireless modem that's the Neuralink, the wireless bluetooth modem so that instead of acting on thoughts warfighters have thoughts that act so basically where they're going with this is they wanted them to be able to think about firing a missile and the missile will just fire and we'll see some of that in charles morgan dr charles morgan the Third's speech to the wonderful cadets at west point it goes on to say quote an adversary might use quote brain technology quote in military applications an extreme example would be remote guidance or control of a human being end quote no you heard me right an adversary might use brain technology in military applications an extreme example would be remote guidance or control of a human being and dr charles morgan the third will get into this as well But right there, folks, an extreme example would be remote guidance or control of a human being. I don't know. Like maybe some of the school shooters? No. No. These guys in the military would never do that. They would never test out their technology in real life situations. They would never, ever do that. It goes on to say other critics said that the quest to enhance human performance on the battlefield would lead scientists down a morally dangerous path. Michael Goldblatt disagreed, quote, how is having a cochlear implant that helps the deaf hear any different than having a chip in your brain that could help control your thoughts? end quote uh mr goldblatt i would ask you how is having a hearing aid that helps you hear different than being able to use your thoughts to blow up and kill another human being how is that different i don't know sir i would ask you how is it different to use my thoughts to kill another human being or to have a hearing aid how are they different i don't know I don't know. Peter Thiel, one of the guys who invests in and supports this type of technology, helps the government roll it out. 
He says transhumanism and Christianity are the same because they both offer you immortality. So these guys definitely have the ability to blur the lines between insanity and sanity. I will say that. They have no morals or ethics, obviously. They operate on no principles or values. I think that's pretty clear. You had that Israeli doctor talking about, uh, when I play with these uh, human tissues inside the lab, I don't have to worry about any ethical complications. And so when they get a hold of the babies that they grow inside the synthetic wombs, I think they're probably going to say the same thing. Well, there's no mom and dad, so we could play around with this little child. It's just a ball of flesh. It's just a ball of flesh, folks. That's all it is. It comes from, it comes from nothingness, Deepak Chopra will say. It is just a ball of nothingness. All right, the article finishes up saying, when questioned about unintended consequences like controlling humans for nefarious ends, Goldblatt insisted, quote, there are unintended consequences for everything, end quote. But see, where I come from, folks, I said this on a show a couple of episodes ago. When does the folks when do the folks who are developing this technology who are ushering in transhumanism who are doing the genetic modification who are tweaking these folks these soldiers systems who are sending them into war and then bringing them back with ptsd when do they bear responsibility When does it get to the point, folks, when we don't call these unintended consequences, but we call them intended consequences? Peter Thiel, speaking about singularity, the merger of man and machine, in 2008, said in front of the Singularity Conference, if you remember that, we reviewed that, he said that singularity would either bring a boom in investments or a boom that would destroy the entire world. So they know the consequences of the technologies they are building. They have the power and the influence and the money to call for an international ban on many of these technologies. But they don't do it, folks. And so the results, the carnage, the death, the people who die at the hands of the killer robots, the people who die at the hands of you know, rogue super soldiers, the people who end up dying because the genetic modification ended up killing them. No, those were intended consequences because these monsters, these Frankenstein doctors, these psychopathic, narcissistic sociopaths know exactly what it is. This guy Goldblatt says right here, there are unintended consequences for everything, meaning he knows about the consequences. But if you're going to jack up some soldier with all of these pain vaccines and everything else and send him into war to get shot and then shoot him up with a pain vaccine so he stays out in the field while his wound gets sealed by magnetic particles in his blood that you injected into him, and then you make him hibernate for 30 days until you come to rescue him, the guy's going to come back on PTSD all screwed up. You guys don't take care of these people when they come home. 
God only knows what his real mission was over there anyway, probably murdering uh, innocent women and children, as we see time and time again from our wonderful government, what they make our kids go over and do in these countries. They had no idea this is what they were going to be involved with. And so these people know what the consequences are. These are intended consequences. They know damn well what they're doing with the brain chip all the way back in 2002 when they were talking about it. And now they're rolling it out through Elon Musk because they know what the consequences are. They're intended consequences. And so when do they bear the blame, the responsibility for what they're doing? When are we going to stand up to these monsters? I don't know, folks. But there is so much more information on the super soldier programs and genetic modification that I'm going to get into on tomorrow's episode. I'm going to pull up some more articles for you because that was back in 2015. I'll show you what they're doing now. All kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, yeah, they're trying to build cyborgs and everything else. But we're going to get into this with Dr. Charles Morgan III. And then we've got another video we're reviewing over the next couple days from Dr. James Giordano, another psycho monster, scientist, engineer, quack. And so when I get back, folks, let me introduce you to Dr. Charles Morgan III, and we'll start seeing what this crazy SOB has to say. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. Let me introduce you to Charles A. Morgan III, MD and MA. And I'm over here at newhaven.edu. Because he works out of the University of New Haven, my old stomping grounds, folks. I am from the suburbs of New Haven. And no, I did not take a World Economic Forum trackless train from New Haven to the suburbs. I used to drive a car, believe it or not, back in high school. All right, folks. Charles A. Morgan III, professor, Department of National Security at the Henry C. Lee College of Criminal Justice and Forensic Sciences. Henry Lee, folks, interesting character. Look him up sometime. All right, education. Uh, he's a let's see, fellowship, forensic psychiatry, Yale University, New Haven, Connecticut, 2001. MA History of Medicine and Science, Yale University, 1996. Psychiatry Residency, Yale University, 1990. MD Medicine, Loma Linda University School of Medicine, California, 1986. And a BA, French Pacific Union College, Angwin, California, 1982. Okay, so 82, 86. 1990, 1996, 2001. 
All right, let's get into his bio. It's important that you understand uh, where these guys come from before we actually listen to them. So Dr. Morgan is a professor in the Department of National Security at the University of New Haven's Henry C. Lee College of Criminal Justice and Forensic Sciences. Dr. Morgan is a forensic psychiatrist, former intelligence officer, yes, folks, he was with the CIA, and neuroscientist. The focus of his teaching is national security, domestic and international intelligence analysis, issues in deception and psychological operations. Dr. Morgan is the director of the National Security Research Laboratory at University of New Haven and has grants from the United States government. His research is focused on enhancing the detection of deception and on improving the indirect assessments of human personalities. You got that, folks? You got that? So, psychological operations and deception. All right, let's continue. Prior to coming to the University of New Haven, Dr. Morgan was a full-time faculty member at Yale University School of Medicine Department of Psychiatry for over 20 years and served as medical director at the Clinical Neuroscience Division of the National Center for Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder at the Yale Veterans Administration in Connecticut. All right, so he played around with the PTSD boys. Dr. Morgan also served as an intelligence officer at the CIA from 2003 to 2010. Very, very wonderful gentleman. Since 2007, Dr. Morgan has worked in operational psychology with the U.S. Special Operations Command, the Marine Corps Special Operations Command, and with the uh, Asymmetric Warfare Group. Dr. Morgan has developed and published scientific papers on new interviewing techniques designed to enhance the accuracy of credibility assessments that are used by professionals in the field of national security. You got that? Torture. Dr. Morgan was deployed to Afghanistan and served as a psychological operational advisor with the U.S. Army Asymmetric Warfare Group. This guy would be called a patriot, folks. This is a patriot. He loves his country. He also loves messing with your mind, as you will see shortly. While at the CIA, Dr. Morgan served as an academic supervisor to the master's program of the Joint Military Intelligence College, Bowling Air Force Base, Washington, D.C., from 2004 to 2010. After his time at CIA, Dr. Morgan served an operations specialist for the Special Technologies Laboratory, Counterintelligence Activities Division of the Department of Energy. <laughs> it reminds you of the bio of uh, Dennis Bushnell over at NASA, the chief scientist. I don't know if you guys remember that episode, but uh, he's another one to check out, folks. He loves the cyborgs. He loves Ray Kurzweil, he loves Elon Musk, and he loves the brain chips and the metaverse. This guy looks eerily similar to Bushnell. So Dr. Morgan continues to provide subject matter expert consultation to as forensic, um, so that's some kind of typo there, as forensic psychiatrist and as a subject matter expert to the United States Special Operations Command. 
He served as a member of the National Academy of Science Committee for Eyewitness Identification Reform in 2014. Dr. Morgan is the author of over 100 peer-reviewed publications for topics such as post-traumatic stress, eyewitness memory, interrogation stress, detecting deception, and intelligence. And then it's got a whole list here of recent publications which I am not going to go through because there are probably 25 there. I'm just guessing. Um, And so, yeah, I think, let me just see. There's a little more information on him. It says, uh, Dr. Morgan worked in academic, clinical, and research environments for 25 years at Yale University. In addition to his work at Yale, Dr. Morgan has supervised students in the master's program at the Joint Military Intelligence College, Bowling Air Force Base, Washington, D.C. Dr. Morgan served as a medical intelligence officer. 2003 to 2010 with the Central Intelligence Agency and was a government liaison with the U.S. Intelligence Science Board in 2011. Dr. Morgan deployed to Afghanistan with the U.S. Army's Asymmetric Warfare Group. From 2011 to 2013, Dr. Morgan served as Operations Specialist for the Special Technologies Laboratory, the Department of Energy. At present, Dr. Morgan continues to perform private consulting regarding selection and assessment for the Asymmetric Warfare Group and the U.S. Navy. As I mentioned earlier, he helps he helps pick out the bad boys, ladies and gentlemen. He is currently serving on the National Academy of Science Committee on Eyewitness Identification Reform and has joined the faculty of the Henry C. Lee College of Criminal Justice and Forensic Sciences, University of New Haven. Dr. Morgan is the first physician to be hired by the university where he is an associate professor in the Department of National Security with an emphasis on intelligence analysis, national security, psychology, and psyops. Yeah, it actually says that. Wow. Okay. And then his courses here, what the heck, let's look at his courses. National Security, Issues and Deception, Special Topic, Intelligence Analysis, Intelligence Analysis, Introduction to National Security. So again, what we are about to review, folks, is this speech he gave, okay, at um it says right here this is a speech that he gave on neuro uh, neurobiology and war and so he's giving this speech to west point on a range of topics including psychology neurobiology and the science of humans at war and let me just say um maria had sent this over to me uh, no i'm sorry someone else from the audience sent this video over to me and so i sent it to maria albanese because i just didn't have time to to look at it last week and she sent me back additional information on and we'll get into this the uh brain initiative and the human brain project and so um, she also sent over information on Dr. James Giordano, who we're going to get into next, and what he's doing over there with the government. And so I took this video on Morgan, and I actually downloaded the audio, and I reprocessed it for you, because there was terrible room noise. It was like, shh. 
through the whole thing. So hopefully this video is going to be a lot cleaner than it would have been if I had just played it straight up for you because we really do have to understand what they're getting into. Now, in the beginning, just bear with it. There's a gentleman who introduces him and the video is... Um, like kind of noisy there because i don't believe that gentleman was close enough to the microphone but i'm gonna let it play just in case i miss some of the introduction even though we just went into a lot of detail so right here on the cover screen of the video it says nmwi dr morgan bh 454 runtime 55 minutes and 47 seconds Vios work order number two zero one eight zero 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 nine eight seven unclassified, and this is a West Point Visual Information Division, AO one zero three, April seventeenth two thousand eighteen, and then it has the West Point uh, Academy logo on it. So I'm going to let this gentleman introduce him. Just if it's really bad, I'll stop it and then we'll fast forward. But I figured I'd let them introduce him so that you can hear this entire presentation in full. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. All right, it's rolling right now. The screen is up. Come on, folks. And here we go with the gentleman. MWS event for the few that can make it. Um, today we have Dr. Charles Morgan coming to talk to us about. Uh, neuroscience and psychology and a whole a whole gamut of things. Um, right now he is a professor of national security studies at the University of New Haven. Uh, his focus is teaching uh, national security studies, domestic and international intelligence uh, analysis, and issues in deception. Dr. Morgan is developing a concentration in the human aspects, intelligence analysis, and psycho uh, psychological operations arenas that are relevant to the intelligence community. Um, he has a pretty robust background with military folks, doing research at SEER school, helping with selection processes for special operations forces down at Fort Bragg, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So without further ado, I will hand it off to you. Thank you. Okay, good. So I'm glad uh, we got that in there real quick. Hopefully you'll be able to hear it. Um, so he introduces him basically with some of the background we talked about, but really in him helping select, uh, select soldiers for probably the super social program, like which guys are not going to complain when we try to put a brain chip in their head. Uh, who do you think, uh, would be fine with sticking the uh, pain vaccine in their arm? Uh, excuse me, sir. Would you mind hibernating for 30 days until we come and rescue you? Hey, um, would you mind letting us inject you with magnetic nanoparticles you're just going to use a magnet to suck up the particles into your wound and so it'll stop the bleeding until we decide whether or not to come and get you or we just push a little button from the control tower where we blow up your exoskeleton suit and incinerate you so that there is no evidence of the cyborg wolverine super soldiers that we've been building over here at darpa all right, ladies and gentlemen, what we are going to do is we are going to take a quick break so that I could tune up my exoskeleton suit. For some reason, my back is bothering me. I keep moving around in my chair. So hopefully my voice has been okay during the show, but I'm going to tune up my exoskeleton suit uh, over the break. And then when we come back, we're going to start to break down Dr. Charles Morgan III's speech to the West Point Academy. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. 
Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Dr. Charles Morgan III, come on down, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, out in the audience there, is there any? Charles Morgan, Chucky Morgan, come on down, ladies and gentlemen. We're looking for a mad scientist Frankenstein doctor, and you, sir, have been chosen. Ladies and gentlemen, let's jump in to Dr. Charles Morgan III. Let's see what he has to say, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Um, it's nice to be here. Actually, I was a Navy guy. It wasn't Army, but I've done more work with the Army, I think, over all these years than I ever did with the Navy. So, uh, so what I would like to talk to you a little bit about today is something I was asked to do in 2010 and 2011. Um, I was getting ready to leave over at the CIA, where I'd worked for a number of years, and the Intelligence Science Board said, could you give us a brief on what's in, st what's in store for us in the future? I was like, I don't know, predicting the future is really hard. Um, so I told my boss at the time, I said, well, I think the best I'll do is make an estimate over what I think is going to happen in the next five years, uh, given certain technologies that were being developed at the time. Okay, so he was asked to predict the future, so he said he's going to do an assessment over what's going to happen over the next five years. Now, this, again, was published in, let me double-check for you, this was in June 2018, okay? And so up on the screen, he has uh, some of his credentials, and then it says, what's in the future for the national security community? That's the question. What's in the future for the national security community? And so I always find it to be interesting when I watch these guys like Dennis Bushnell and him, uh, and they're showing their presentation using a crappy PowerPoint presentation, and they're these like technological guys. You expect everyone to be wearing augmented reality goggles, and then he snaps his fingers, and a hologram comes up in the middle of the room, and he shows the world being blown up, and he goes, oh, then five years, it'll be gone. Five years, it'll be gone. But no, instead, he's got a big screen with an old-fashioned projector showing his PowerPoint presentation. Let's continue. And this is a bit of an extension of that. I presented it to the SSG, and uh, it was some information I think some people didn't know, and I think the, it's good for people to be aware of what's going on out there. The, the one thing that makes predicting a little bit of the future easier when you look at biomedical science is that labs are working fairly systematically with overtly stated goals. So if you think about it, science is not really done in a haphazard way. It takes time, preparation. You have to test multiple hypotheses, develop techniques. So it is not really rocket science to look at a lab and say, this is where they're going. And here are probably two of the Achilles heel points in the design. But if they surmount those, they will probably achieve what they say they want to do. So that's a little. Okay. All right. So let's, let, let's actually roll that back for a second and let's re-listen to what he said. And uh, it was some information I think some people didn't know. And I think the, it's good for people to be aware of what's going on out there. The, the one thing that makes predicting a little bit of the future easier when you look at biomedical science is that labs are working fairly systematically with overtly stated goals. Labs are looking, working very systematically with overtly stated goals. And so the information that I have shared with you over the last 38 episodes, 
I have utilized the white papers, uh, the speeches, the words of the actual people who are in charge of developing the technologies and rolling them out into the public. Okay, and that is how I am able to start to predict the future. Of course, I have no real inside knowledge. I do have intelligence that I get from people in healthcare and such. But I'm not working inside the industry. He is working inside the industry. And so he has more information, obviously, than I do. But I utilize their own words. We look at the businesses they have, the companies they've opened, the investors behind them to start to predict the future. And so what he's saying is these labs have these overtly stated goals, and that helps predict the future. And so that is true. You can see exactly what they're doing. And in most cases, they're not really hiding it. Uh, I do believe a lot of the technology we see rolled out by Elon Musk and others are technologies that were already being developed, as we just proved in the 2015 article, where they talked about openly brain chips being developed back in 2002, and Iron Man exoskeleton suits going all the way back to the early 2000s as well. And so then you can see when they bring them out publicly, Obama announces the Iron Man suit in 2014, but they were talking about it going all the way back to pre-2000. But they don't really hide what they're doing. When they're getting ready to roll it out, they roll it out, folks. So if you think about it, science is not really done in a haphazard way. It takes time, preparation. You have to test multiple hypotheses, develop techniques. So it is not really rocket science to look at a lab and say, this is where they're going. And here are probably two of the... Okay, so as he said, it's not rocket science to look at a lab and predict where they're going to go, because what he's saying is that there are a certain set of techniques you follow. There's there's a plan in developing certain technologies. And so if you're somebody like him, you can look at a lab, you can look at what they're doing, look at the equipment they have, look at what they're testing, and then be able to predict where they're actually going with it. And so... That's what he's talking about here. And so he's going to show, he says, two examples. Let's see. Achilles heel points in the design. But if they surmount those, they will probably achieve what they say they want to do. Okay, so the labs he's talking about, he's saying if they can overcome the Achilles heels points, meaning if there's any problems, uh, any roadblocks, any speed bumps in the development of the technologies and they can overcome those, then that's probably going to be what occurs that's what's going to happen i mean they're working towards it right so let's say in building the synthetic womb there's some hiccups well once they iron out those issues then the synthetic womb is a reality so that's a little bit of what this is about um i was going to give you my thoughts on mind body and beyond gene slicing uh the Okay, so let me just say, I'll pause this up on the screen in case he doesn't mention it. I watched this, but uh, I can't remember everything. So up on the screen, there's some bullets here. Bullet one, mind, body, and beyond. Bullet two, gene splicing, uh, slicing, uh, which we talked about yesterday with the designer babies, right? Um, number three, uh, Venter and Dreads, number four, DNA encryption, and number five, the past isn't what it used to be. All right, let's let him continue. Dr. Ventner's work, yeah, DNA encryption, and something about memory, that the past is not what it used to be. 
What I'd like you to consider for a minute is that one of the things that most people uh, have a hard time understanding is that there is a difference between our mind and our body. Okay, so up on the screen now, and when they show the screen, I'll read this stuff to you because that way you'll understand what he's talking about. He doesn't always recap what's on the screen. So it says, never believe the body is permanent. Body is like a water bubble. Mind is like a mad monkey. So body is like a water bubble. bubble. Mind is like a mad monkey. Your personal experience is usually of an integrated uh, operating system since the time you were little. However, there has been a plan in many labs to figure out how do we help people whose bodies don't work in the way that they want them to do, who have neurologic defects. Could you uh, start the first video? Okay, and we've talked about this in the past, right, uh, with Elon Musk Neuralink brain chip. And as I've told you, that the first step of uh, being able to develop this technology and then get it widely accepted is to attach it to someone with paralysis or someone who was in a car accident that lost the use of certain limbs, right? Just like with the synthetic wombs, they come at you with the adoption campaign that it's going to be to save premature babies. And so this is right where he is, right where Dr. Morgan is right now. So as a way of surmounting that, people are experimenting five or six years ago, or as early as 2008. Okay, so he's going to show a video now. So it's not me talking over him or him. He, he's going to talk over the video somewhat. But up on the screen, he has never believed the body is permanent. May 29th, 2008. And he's going to show a video now. Um, with whether or not you can do a brain robotic interface. I don't know if there's volume for that that we go through with our monkeys as they go through and try to learn how to use this robot. So they're using um, brain signals, so signals from their motor cortex that we um, pull out of, of wires into our system and our computers then um, decode what it is that, that the monkey is intending to do. Okay, pay careful attention because he has this up on the screen. This is from 2008. They're talking about a monkey using its mind to control a robotic arm that they're showing with like a pincher fingers. Well, remember, Elon Musk rolls out Neuralink eight years later in 2016, and then we showed you the monkey mind pong video where the monkey is using its mind to control... Uh, like basically its thoughts are controlling the mind, the, the video game Pong. So it's using its mind, not its fingers, to control the joystick. But now you're seeing this technology all the way back in 2008. And uh, drive the endpoint of this arm forward and backward and around through space. The monkeys have brain control over this robotic arm to uh, move it forward and grab a piece of fruit as it's presented and then bring it back to their mouth uh, to feed themselves. Incredible as it may seem, these monkeys learn to feed themselves with a robot. Okay, so there's a monkey sitting in like a plastic tank, and to the left of the monkey, there is a mechanical arm. And so the monkey is using its mind to control the arm to pick up food and then feed itself through its mouth. Arm that was being directly controlled by their brains, as if it was simply part of them. This is a biofeedback closed loop kind of experiment and that there's an automatic, almost an automatic learning that's going on. 
Um, well, we're communicating with him. Okay, so that's not me. Something happened to his audio. Just give it one so second. So essentially, um, when you're little and you're growing up and you're learning how to work your appendages, you are making good motor neuron connections and inhibitory connections. And what they're able to do back in 2008 uh, with a primate is have it learn through trial and error that by thinking it can move a robotic arm and feed itself. Uh, it didn't take too long for the uh, neural interface issue to be resolved once people figured out you could implant electrodes on brain tissue and then take a biological signal and turn it into an electrical signal and amplify it. It took a little while for the monkeys to uh, figure out how to do it early on. They would give it a little joystick, so it was like playing a video game. And See that, folks? You see that, folks? Okay? So in 2018, Dr. Charles Morgan III is at West Point doing a presentation based on a presentation he said he had written earlier on monkeys using joysticks to move around an arm to make it feed itself. But then they take away the joystick and the monkey just uses its mind to move around the arm. And that is from a 2008 study. Fast forward 10 years, Elon Musk rolls out the monkey mind pong video, which is the same thing, except now Elon Musk is normalizing it and humanizing it because they've turned him into sort of this eccentric pop culture figure you know similar to uh howard hughes that leonardo dicaprio played in the movie the aviator you see how it works folks the government develops it and then they roll it out through one of these pr billy mays mike lindell my pillow front men oh yeah you just got to see it right there folks let's continue and Pretty soon, the monkeys, uh, actually, there's a chimp that's done it as well. She figured out she just didn't need to use the uh, little joystick and could just think about it. Um, and then the arm would move. And the monkey would begin to experiment and would think about where it wanted the arm to go. So it was learning, I have a new appendage. Uh, okay. So learning that it has a new appendage. Well, in the Elon Musk mind pong video, they have the monkey play mind pong. Every time it wins, it basically, uh, they're feeding it through um, a straw, a banana milkshake. And so eventually they take away the use of the joystick so that the monkey is still making the uh, like it's using the joystick, but the movements inside the game are coming from the monkey's brain, not from the joystick anymore. So they hacked into the monkey's mind. That is the hackable animal side of things. Ladies and gentlemen, absorb that for a moment. You see that the technology existed in about a decade, if not more, before Elon Musk rolled it out on an international stage and made it hip and cool. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Payne. 
Twitch.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, ladies and gentlemen. We are in the middle of this speech in front of uh, some folks from West Point Academy with Dr. Charles Morgan III. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's continue with this. We just got through the section where he's showing a technology presentation from 2008 with monkeys controlling an arm using only their minds, the same thing that Elon Musk rehashed 10 years later with his Neuralink brain chip. So here we go, folks. The same is true in people. As you can see, just four years later, uh, we see it being done in humans. You can start that for me, please. With people who have neurologic injury and can't use their limbs. Okay, so he's putting a video up on the screen. Um, yeah, try and hover over the screen, I think. Yeah, it's it's amazing these techno- technocrats can't get a slideshow to work. I used to run uh, corporate event production. I could go there and help this guy. That's right. My life has changed dramatically since the accident. As of right now, there's nothing to cure paralysis um, besides maybe a miracle. The first thing I'll do if I get my arms back, I would hug my daughter. Be really nice to scoop something up in a spoon and feed myself again. This is going to go beyond spinal cord if this works. This is going to go MS. Okay, so they're showing a gentleman in a wheelchair, obviously designed to tug at your heartstrings and normalize the technology and then humanize it. This is going to go stroke. This is huge. This is millions and millions and millions of people. Okay, so on the screen it says the UPMC Rehabilitation Institute and the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine's ECOG trial. I'm pretty much broken from the neck down, I guess you could say. The only thing that I have left that is untouched is my brain. And uh, obviously, I'm able to use it very good. I'm able to do this and do that. Um, you know, no memory loss or nothing. So I opted for an experimental surgery to go at the one thing that I still have. What we try to do is uh, put a, uh, a grid in place that's capable of recording signals from the brain. So when you think, when you think I want to move, there's actually electrical impulses in the brain. We want to be able to record those electrical impulses and then decode what, what the electrical impulses mean and use that to control an object or an arm. Okay, folks, so again, this video now is from 2013. So in 2008, they do the monkey. Ten years later, Elon Musk says, you know, he more than ten years later, he says he's got the uh, monkey mind pong going. And then in 2013, they're doing a human trial here. Uh, we're going to get into a little more of this in a second. And then uh, right now, we're supposed to have a big announcement on Halloween from Elon Musk. Maybe we're going to find out that there was a human trial. So they're just rehashing you know, what was done. As I said, they developed this earlier, and then they use Billy May's pitch band to come out and bring it into the mainstream, make it seem a lot hipper and cooler than just coming from the weird scientists. So they're using Musk to do it in this case. People have thought for a long time that we might be able to tap into the brain, but it's only recently that we've gotten closer and closer. Uh, there's some great work going on here at the University of Pittsburgh by a, a gentleman named Andy Schwartz. And Andy has shown that he can get a monkey to control a robotic arm with an amazing degree of freedom. 
Yeah, Andy Schwartz, Gold Black, Greenberg, you know, all these wonderful guys we're hearing about. By thought. So we've developed technology where we can implant an array of electrodes, microelectrodes, in the cerebral cortex of monkeys. And we can record activity from many neurons in the brain simultaneously. And from that signal, we can extract the monkey's intention to move its arm. And now that we have that, we can have intercept that signal and use it, instead of moving the monkey's own arm, to use it to move a prosthetic arm. Just two weeks. Yeah. I think he said it next. What it takes to get in people is a, is a large team. So we've basically been somewhat isolated in our laboratory, working on monkeys, proving the technology, just making discoveries, validating the technology, developing new ways of doing this. And what we've been able to do recently is pass a lot of this knowledge that we've gained to clinical um, colleagues. To, cl to clinical colleagues, yeah. The knowledge they gain and pass it to clinical colleagues who eventually pass it on to the pitch man, Elon Musk. Does this not all sound eerily similar to the technology that Musk is pushing, you know, where they're tapping into your head and putting all the electrodes down into your brain to read the impulses? Come on, folks. Come on. We came to the laboratory, learned a lot of what we're doing, and then took it back to the clinic and develop the technology is appropriate for humans. We were implanting our first uh, patient in a clinical trial to place subdural grids for electrodes on the surface of the brain uh, in an attempt to use them as a brain-computer interface for the ultimate goal of controlling the prosthetic arm. And we'll start out simply with trying to do some cursor control, hoping that over the 28 days that he's implanted, that we will be able to progress to potentially being able to control the robotic arm. Two days after the surgery, um, we plugged me in and started to basically train my brain, train the computer to my brain the way I'm thinking. The computer doesn't know up, down, left, right. It just knows the signals that I'm thinking. Okay, so it, it's sad to say this. Again, I don't judge you. If you're somebody out there that had a situation like this or you know someone that did and you utilize this experimental technology, you know, to better yourself or, or someone you know did this, you know, I understand it. But in the end, this technology is not being designed. They're not spending all that money to help this one guy cure his paralysis by putting a brain chip in his head and allowing him to use a robotic arm to feed himself or to hug his daughter. Um, they're building the technology under the guise of those circumstances, but in the end, we already know where this is going, folks. The tapping in of your mind with the brain chip, and you're going to see Dr. Morgan explain this oh, in more detail. For the first couple of days, it was just, what's up, what's down? Uh, how I do it is I look at the ball at the top and through my peripheral vision I see the ball that's moving so I'm, I'm focusing on the target and almost with my peripheral if I want to go up I'm with my mental eyes or whatever you want to call it lifting up trying to get that ball to go up or trying to get it to go down so I'm focusing on the target while watching the moving ball with my peripheral it's like a one-player video game I'm trying to beat my own score because there is a score, you know, there's a certain percentage. It's out of six, you know, each time I do it, it's out of six. And folks, when you're looking at the screen that he is training himself on, it looks very much like Monkey Mind Paul. So, oh, come on. This is, this is sick stuff. It really, 
you know, it, it hurts your, uh, your heart and your soul because you see a guy who truly uh, needs help, who's injured, but in the end, he's, you know, frankly, the guinea pig for the Frankenstein technology that has a lot more nefarious purpose behind it. 16 um, balls, if you want to say, and uh, I want to know that number. It's 13, I want the 14, or I want the 15, and um, so it's just a challenge to myself. One thing I found out that if I focus too hard, it doesn't work right. It has to be very natural. That's pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. We're making such ground on this every single day. Um, every other day, we're just going leaps and bounds. And knowing that we're doing that, if I had another week or two weeks or month, where would we be then? Um, we'd be. I mean, we've already done stuff that's unprecedented. You know, I've been I've been doing stuff. I've been told um, that with the 3D curse control, people have been doing it for a year, two years, um, that they haven't got the type of control and percentages that I've gotten um, in a day, <laughs> literally a day. The highlight was 45 minutes ago. I got to use a robotic arm for the first time and uh, I got to reach out and touch my for the first time in seven years. So what you're seeing is people struggled with how to get the electrodes on the surface of the brain, how to do the brain learning. The computer algorithms have improved. This is by trial and error as it begins to recognize what the subject's brain is doing. But after that, if you look at that as a scientific development in medicine, you can quickly see the possibilities that emerge. Okay, okay, okay. Okay there, Dr. Morgan. Now, folks, this guy has this giant smile on his face. Now, you don't see him say, wow, that's amazing. We helped this guy be able to touch his wife. No, he said, if you look at it from the medical purposes, you can only imagine, oh, what other scenarios there are, folks. What other options there are. As you can see right here, this is it. I told you, these poor folks are being used as the guinea pigs to design the technologies that are going to be used against humanity later. We are all helping build this, whether it be the gentleman who's paralyzed, okay, this guy, Tim, who signed up for this trial uh, to allow his body and his mind and his brain to be used to develop this technology or whether it's me or you constantly interacting with our technological devices we are merely nodes in the system helping build the technocracy as elon musk would put it and so we're all part of this folks but in the end the goal is to engineer humans out of existence the goal is to control those that they choose to allow to live as they want to grow us inside of synthetic wombs, they want to design us into their vision of perfection, they want to put a brain chip inside your head to control you, they want to walk you into the metaverse cyber prison. It all connects, it all adds up, there's one big vision, it's one story to be told. These are only the building blocks to the cyber prison planet they are building for all of us. Ladies and gentlemen, these technocrats, these transhumanists are very sick people. They hate humanity for some reason. They always want to try to perfect it, they want to play God, they want to be God. 
They believe that they can take control of the evolution of humans. But I believe the evolution of humans that they see is the destruction and the genocide of humanity itself. Ladies and gentlemen, when we come back tomorrow, we are going to finish up this video on Dr. Charles Morgan III, and I will introduce you to some other super soldier technology that these crazy mad scientists are building every day while you go to work, every day while you take care of your children, every day while you're cooking a meal. These people are working around the clock at warp speed to roll out the technological prison planet technocracy that they want to drive us all into. They are working on the techniques to merge man with machine because they believe that we are imperfect. We are inefficient and humanity needs to either be streamlined or wiped off the face of of the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion. at pain.tv slash gold.